Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out on the jukebox singing home. Say home again <laughs> What? So, Alright, so who's better? Oasis or The Strokes? Or who do you like better? I mean, let me phrase that because I don't believe in yeah, better. Yeah, who yeah, do you yeah, like yeah, better, yeah, yeah. Oasis or The Strokes? I like the I like The Strokes better, but uh, I must say I really respect Oasis, and it's a close call. It's a it's a photo finish, Josh. It's a, <laughs> it's a photo finish of the worst. Because track. I'm very impressed with Liam Gallagher's uh, recent work as a solo musician. His song "Once" was very like peak oasis he's done a couple albums in the last couple years he's he's and i dig what he's doing i'm impressed i I agree i like some of his stuff that he's done outside of oasis i would say jonathan i prefer the better the best oasis songs over any stroke like the best stroke songs but if i'm going to listen to one of their albums i'm going to listen to the first second or third strokes album before i put on you know any yeah, oasis that's, album that's actually a good point because i would never put on an oasis album and i often put on strokes albums yeah. so I, I would say trick question both equally useless <laughs> <laughs> next question huh <laughs> what huh? okay fine we walked right into that no, no to be fair i didn't really i really didn't plan, i didn't plan on saying that until i thought about it and i was like oh, mm-hmm. i don't give a shit about either sure one sure you didn't yeah, i really yeah, didn't yeah. i didn't uh, i walked right into my own joke <laughs> <laughs> sorry i watched i watched this movie mank last night i want to see y'all that. Heard about I, that I on netflix it. i want to see no. that it's so good it, i can I tell mean, the trailer it's not good. like the best movie I've seen this year, I don't think, but it, it's it's definitely up there. And you know, Gary Oldman is just phenomenal. And you know, it's David Fincher and the script. It's it, I mean, it's about a script. You know, uh, the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. Yeah. But like the script is just fantastic. It, it's so good. But since you guys haven't seen it, we won't really dive into it. Um, yesterday, I was watching uh, the Jason Bateman movie. What is it? Extract. Where his balls get hit. No, where he owns the um, the extract company, he falls in love with Mila Kunis, and the best it, part. I wonder if it's pronounced Cooney. <laughs> Mila Cooney. But the best part is uh, Ben Affleck is the drunk, like hippie <laughs> Did you bartender. Say ben Affleck. Bela Fleck yeah. is Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Uh, I like. I thought you said Bela Fleck. <laughs> Bela Fleck and the Fleck tones. So the Fleck tones are jamming out at the extract company. <laughs> When you said extract, and and you're, like, you're like extract. And he's like, it's about his balls. I'm like, please don't be about his balls. And it's called extract. Bateman, <laughs> Bateman and Cooney go to a Bella Fleck and the Fleck show. Oh, my God. I'm in. You had me at Bella. Hey, Johnny, did you ever see Bella Fleck in North Carolina? Uh-huh. A couple of times. <laughs> well, you finish your point about the Ben Affleck movie. Or Ben Affleck. I will. Say. I will. Fine. I mean, well, we... <laughs> Just seeing him as that drunk bartender with long hair... Greasy hair. You, it, it seemed like a weird role for him. It, it must have been like this role, then Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Pod gave extract to you. Every time I hear Ben Affleck, I think of that movie Role Models. You ever see that movie? With Paul Rudd <laughs> and Stifler? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, my God. I love okay. that It's movie. fucking okay. great. But there's there's that. I can't believe mine eyes. Tis the minute hey, hey, Love, look. take me down to the streets. He's like, that is not a song. It's a wing song. He's like, that is not a wing song. He's like, no one wrote that song. Anyway, the, what's so funny about the Ben Affleck is like the young kid, like the adopted kid, the black kid, 
he he's always calling every he's always calling Paul Rudd Ben Affleck. He's like, shut up, Ben Affleck. He's like, shut up, Ben Affleck. And he's like, why are you calling me Ben Affleck? And he's like, if you're white, you're Ben Affleck. <laughs> I don't remember. That he's line. just like, if you white, you're Ben Affleck. Yeah, man. Role models is extremely rewatchable. I remember extract being pretty good. But it's as all well. shot um, here in Venice too. Like it's really cool. By the way, so I opened up Jonathan. Do you do you have Spotify? No. What, what is there a reason? Primarily, it's I don't. I think the business model fucking sucks for musicians. But in addition yeah. to that, like I just buy music. Like I want to own something. At this point, you don't own a record. You don't own a CD. I mean, MP3s is the closest thing you have to music. And it's like I just care about I care about music too much to not actually own it. Well, they did this big thing, end of 2020, what'd you listen to, most listened artists, blah, blah, blah. I was, I was going to see what yours were. Uh, my number one was, you know, Bob Dylan, because I was born in 1945. Uh, but, you know, there were the Future Birds were on there, Fruit Bats, uh, <coughs> Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been listening to... Uh... I, don't know how, I don't even know how. I don't even listen to her... I mean, I listened to her new album probably twice. It's pretty good. It's like not I, it, uh, to me. And I, I told this to my girlfriend and she was like, how dare you? Uh, I was like, it kind of sounds like a not as good version of the most recent Lana Del Rey album. I, I doubt either one of you have heard either of them. I've, but I've, heard, I've heard a little Lana Del Rey. I like what I've heard of um, Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Yeah. LDR. For sure. I, uh, um, I haven't heard enough. It's it's very of a certain mood. Um, but <laughs> Neil, what was yours? Did you look at your Spotify? Did you have your... Yes. Um, well, it was just a descending list of podcasts. Oh, the songs <laughs> we've done for the podcast? Oh, yeah. My, my most listened to song was 17, Chairman Edden. Yeah, my second was Showdown. I, mean, yeah. I have been listening to uh, the song Bulbs by Van Morrison. It's really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I, I, a buddy of mine told me that was pretty good it's the other day. It's great. I want to make that song a hit. I, I need I'm, to... I'm personally on a crusade to get that song on the charts bulbs it's like you had some clay and like you know i made an ashtray and he made like a fucking work of art because he's just using like four chords <laughs> he's using four chords there's no words in the a chorus again which is an ongoing thing with van morrison uh, wordless choruses <laughs> no we should talk about band uh, names no stop band stop, names stop. i got a band <laughs> just name fucking stop josh what are we here to talk about hold on just hold let on. me say just let me um, say hairless whispers okay fine i said it <laughs> <laughs> Hairless whisper. Hey, wait, did you say hairless whisper or hairless whiskers? <laughs> whisper. Hell, hairless oh. whiskers. That's some. That's that's. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Why? Okay, <laughs> stop. Is stop. that is that an oxymoron? Or am I getting? Hairless I would say it's, I would say it's paradoxical. <laughs> it was. Par- it's yes. a paradox, not an oxymoron. It's a paradox. Yes. And on it's that a note, You are listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you, and this week we are discussing a. Jim by Guns N' Roses. You talking smash it? I'm talking patience. Shed a tear cause I'm missing you. I'm still alright. Jonathan, why did you uh, want to talk about patience by Guns N' Roses? You know, I picked patience just because it's such a staple song in my you know teenage years it's and i feel like the songs i heard someone say once and i think it's true the songs you hear and the songs you love when you're 13 and you know in in that area 
they just really stick with you your whole life. And I was like the perfect age to, I was into music, I was into playing guitar, and to see these guys, Guns N' Roses, who I still, there's only about two or three songs, I remember the first time I hear them, I heard them, and Welcome to the Jungle is one of them. And so they, Guns N' Roses definitely made a ginormous impression on me. Then when this song came out, the video, it's just a song I've always loved. Never get tired of it. It's dangerously close to the power ballad genre, but it's not. We all have a song in our heart. I think most of the time that song is patience, especially these days. So yes, Jonathan, I similarly listened to this song. Or it came out when I was a teen, and, and I heard it so many times. I think it, in some ways it got played out in my youth. I played it so many times on guitar. I think it, it came out like when I was learning guitar. And I had a hard time like trying to manufacture the praise this song deserved just because I have heard it so many times. And I almost feel like in a way this song is like a on-again, off-again relationship or like a friend with benefits. Like it, it needs like the perfect time. Like sometimes I love it. Sometimes I'm, you know, you get bored of it. Like I remember I was playing it a few years back with some buddies. Just the genius of it came flooding back to me because it's so fun to play. If, you, if you're sitting around with someone who can actually nail the vocal and just the, the chord structure is so great. It's just... It's music to your ears. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's like music to your ears, huh? Crazy. That's deep. Well, it, it it's Guns N' Roses take on a ballad, right? You know, so it, in, my, in my opinion, and you guys are just teeing me up to, to mention how much younger I am than you guys because it came out when I was... I don't know. Or how much wiser six. we are than you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. I mean, I knew it because I have an older brother who listened to Guns N' Roses a lot. And so I love the album cover. And this was obviously the best song on that album. But it's Guns N' Roses' take on the ballad, right? So it's a good song. It's not great. It's It doesn't reach the like peak of Sweet Child of Mine or Paradise City or Welcome to the Jungle. It's not as much of a spectacle as November Rain but as a ballad, it is a very creative ballad. And the ballad part of it is pretty run-of-the-mill. But, like, the intro is pretty cool. And the interlude and the outro are, like, a different song. And it, it really makes the song something more than a ballad. And I think that's what's like, kind of makes it such a memorable song. It's a common sentiment, I think. I think that's maybe what you're getting at. It's a, it's not a unique, you know. It, it's not some revolutionary thought or change in consciousness. It, it, it's pretty run of the mill, thought wise. But the structure, like Neil was saying, the structure of it is definitely something unique, man. There's some something special in there, and the and you can't segment the end apart from it. You have to include it. You have to include it as one song, and when you do, it becomes something unique. In some ways, it's just as it's it's right up there with all of their their best songs because it's so unique. I don't need you shaking your head at me when I say that. Um, um, well, you're wrong. You're one hundred percent wrong. I, Neil, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, it's uh, which means it's, Josh is wrong. <laughs> I was starting. It's this. not even as good as Civil War. I like. I don't even well, know Civil not, War. Not many songs are as good as Civil War, so that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> I even mean, know that song. It's an epic. If that tells you anything. Um, 
and it just just because it is such it kind of brought the acoustic guitar back into rock a little bit it's so great because it it's a band that was known for such badass songs and then stripping it all down to just three guitars but somehow still having a rock sensibility to the song the structure of it just has so many you it just kind of flows to all these different great parts yes this as I, as I said the, the structure is very creative in terms of it takes the ballad like the, the ballad part of this song is super run-of-the-mill there's nothing special about the lyrics you know the, but the melody you know, there's anything special well, about the melody. Uh, no, no, I said the lyric. Right. It, there's nothing special about the lyric. The melody and that outro are the song. So, like the melody uh, right off the bat with the with the whistling and, and that little acoustic guitar and the whistling part. I mean, the melody is is phenomenal. It, it's, it's right. That's the fucking song. But, yeah, it's oh, great. That so the beginning, the, the outro, the melody. <laughs> In the middle. The, but but the, the rest is mediocre and Civil War's better. Only the fucking song I, I is great. I didn't, I didn't say. But the meat, as you would say, of the song, which is the shed a tear because I'm missing you. I mean, like, that is pretty run-of-the-mill That's the kind melody, of sappy It's not ballad. about that, though. It's the melody and the patience, the brilliance. Right. Of, but that is still a part of the song. So it's the that's song. what I'm talking about. I'm saying the gist of the song, it, the shed a tear because I'm missing you, I'm still all right to smile. Like that, that's pretty run of the mill, sappy. Yeah, the like, sentiment, whatever. exactly. Exactly. It, I agree with you. It, it, it's fine. It's not great. It's not groundbreaking. I like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but the structure of the song, they kind of break it up. You have the intro with the little acoustic and the whistling, and then like two more acoustic guitars come in, and there's, and, and he starts singing. But that, and that part is whatever. It's not, oh my God, this is amazing. But so so you're telling me when it goes to the the pre-chorus the that's not great that's fucking great. The sad sugar bit is the fucking man. That's the, I, the that's first the, of all. I didn't say it. I didn't say it's bad. Said it's I just running. said it's. It's, it's it's well listen it's good like a lot of songs it's it's the melody and the just because you don't like the run of the yes some of the lyrics are run of the mill but it's a vehicle to get to take you through the melody and get you to the wonderful chorus and the outro it's getting you to all these great parts like it's not the whole thing isn't brilliant from a to z from front to back but Look, the, the, it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish. It's like we need a little patience. Like calm down. It's it's it has a very like the the vibe to it is what it needs to be in the song. Of you need to stay calm. You need to be patient. Like it works with the message of the song. I'm just saying that part in and of itself is not like oh my god, this is amazing. It's not next level. It's pretty run of the mill. It's good. It's not bad, but it's getting you to something that's great. So here's what I feel like you're saying. And I feel like actually you're saying the opposite of what you're saying, but let me go with it. <laughs> I feel like what you're saying is this is the best fucking cheeseburger around. And I agree with you. It's a cheeseburger. But the fact that everybody in the world is trying to make a good cheeseburger and they made the best one shows how brilliant they really are. What differentiates this song from, say, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, which is a ballad of similar yeah. ilk, right, uh, is the it becomes another song at a certain point. It's like more sophisticated, The interlude too. to the outro, it, they, they are 
capable and creative, they're more creative than Poison. Like they, they're more talented and better musicians and better songwriters because they can do that at the end. They're gonna like, this is good and we can make a lot of money off of this, but like let's, this is pretty sappy. Let's do some fucking next level shit along with it. Let's write a ballad that also like leads into some like next level shit. But you can't yeah. compartmentalize that as just the second half. Of, if it's next level, the song's next level. Well, no, no. As a whole, the song is is a really good song. I, I still don't think it's on the level as their greatest songs. Th- that part of it is pretty run of the mill. But, that's all I'm saying. Uh, well, are you talking about their lyrics in their other songs or the 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 rock and roll part of it? Like Paradise City, are you saying that those lyrics are profound? It's not necessarily about the lyrics. <laughs> I I'm love it. You're like, saying it's, it's about the lyrics. Like, uh, it's also de- it's also the delivery. I mean, it's it's the whole thing. I mean, it's the whole package. So uh, let me ask uh, you this. Okay, so but, so you don't think there's anything special about the 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 pre-chorus, the fucking the sad woman, ba ba da da da, and all and all that. And, and, it, I I like it. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's like you think it's exceptional. I don't think it's exce- It's not something that I'm like. Oh my God! This is so amazing. It, it's just like this is good. I'll listen to this again. Do you feel like that way about? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't bring you in like "Sweet Child of Mine" or "Paradise City" or "Welcome to the Jungle." Like it just doesn't. I, feel, I, I don't know I, I why you guys I, I, are arguing I, I with me about that. Yeah, it certainly does. It. I don't. You know, I, feel like it I don't know too. what you're talking about. It, there's kind of mixed stories that it was either written by Axel about a troubled relationship at the time or Izzy. Like there's not. A definitive Izzy was definitely an important it. part of that songwriting crew. Uh, who wrote this song? Not to take away, like structurally, they basically were like, let's do our take on a ballad. And they kind of created, uh, there's like four parts to this ballad. And the, the, the one part of the ballad I'm talking about that you would associate with a traditional ballad, which I say is run of the mill, the other three parts kind of transcend that and make it something completely different. And those parts are amazing. So you're saying it's 75% amazing. Yes. <laughs> okay, I can live with that. But here's the thing. The 25%, maybe that isn't amazing. The arrangement is so good. The guitar parts, I mean, Axel's voice sounds great. It, 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 it sounds so good that even though it's that part is relatively straight ahead, and we're talking before the pre-chorus, it's still exceptionally good just because of the quality of, of, of the musicianship. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this song is so simple. Um it's three acoustic guitars and Axel singing. It's Slash on lead acoustic, Izzy and Duff kind of backing him up. It's such a good example of what you can do with three acoustic guitars and how powerful that can be. And I find it amazing what they did with just that. You know, no drums, just guitar and a voice and a fantastic melody and, and just the arrangement. It gets to the... You know, what we're going to talk about is the outro, which is just amazing. <laughs> Once you get into the music, I mean, the, other than the melody, which I agree is <laughs> is great. You know what this song is? It's like this song is basically a panic attack, right? I feel like the, the feeling they're trying to convey with the structure and the music is a panic attack. You start off with like the whistling and the calm and like the, the be patient and like the... And then you kind of move into this different level of you've been sitting there worried about something, obviously, I guess, a relationship, and then you're overwhelmed with it. And and even like the change 
into that like interlude, even when it goes into the solo, it's like you're leaving some confined space to like go for a walk. Like it, it, it gives you that feel. It conveys that like feeling. Everything just kind of feels a little more a brighter, a little more open, like open air. And then shit's, shit gets chaotic, right? And it's like an emotional boiling over. And I mean, that's all about that vocal and the, and the outro. I mean, it just creates, when you have a panic attack, which I've had many in my life, it just overwhelms you emotionally. And that's the feeling I get when I listen to this song. It's like, it goes from a place of like patience to now I'm impatient about this situation and I'm fucking losing my shit and I'm trying to get some air to like make it better. And then it ends and the song ends with that exhale and it's like, it's over. I hear what you're saying. It definitely gets emotionally heightened at the end. Panic attack. You know, I don't know. Well, it's clearly, total it's, chaos. It's, here's the thing. And clearly, that's where songs become personal to each one of us. But that's what's cool about it is whether you've had a panic attack or not, this song resonates with you in a very, very emotionally, in a, in a visceral way at that end where it's just someone you want to see. And you, you you let down all the contemplative, introspective, trying to keep it together, and then you're just like, you know what, I'm fucking actually losing it here. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and his totally. vocal. Oh yeah. And his vocal is just like the perfect. But my point is, whether you've had a panic attack or not, the song relates to you, and that's why it's brilliant because yeah. it's the best cheeseburger. Yeah. You know, he's so sad, and at the end, it just boils over, which is it's it's a classic feeling to feel that way to just feel sad and then it for it to boil over and it's also just you know a classic way to structure a song where it just builds into the crescendo at the end you can feel it building during the beginning of the song as well even though it's pretty calm and like patient at the beginning the cacophony of guitars that are there there's so much guitar like acoustic guitar going on in the beginning of the song with him singing that it it almost creates that environment of like okay there's too many notes being played right here I got to get outside. And then there's a stop. And then they go into that mm-hmm. that, that resounding kind of strum mm-hmm, that's like, mm-hmm. okay, now we're entering a new place. Like, it's almost like I just left this cacophony of guitars that's like keeping me like peaceful or whatever. It's like you're going to the Integratron and fucking say Joshua Cana- Tree or something. Cacophony for six months, six more months. Please don't say cacophony again for six. That's, that's a once. That's a twice a year kind of word, and I just got a whole year's worth in fucking thirty-five um, seconds. You're obsessed with some of the words I say on here. Um, I think you're obsessed with saying the words. I'm yeah, recognizing the obsession. Yeah, cacophony. <laughs> Me, but me. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there, there's this whole feeling. There's so many notes being played in that beginning part. And it's not bad. It's not, you know, it, it, it sounds nice and everything. But but then th- there's like a clean stop to the song. Where? Where is, is this clean pop. stop you're talking about? Where you uh, right strumming. before that strum. Going to, into the ending? Like, yes. Right, well, you're saying that the beginning almost, is if you mean that the beginning is like the first four minutes and then the last 30 seconds is the end. Well, I'm let's say so there, when, there's, when there's two minutes left, there is a strum. When it, and then when it changes sections. There's that. Yeah, right. When yeah, it changes. It kind of goes into like a little interlude into the outro. I would say that strum you know? is like a semicolon. Ooh. There you go. Right? Grammatically. You're getting grammatical uh, tonight. I would say. I like it when you get grammatical, John. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> there is so many guitars. It is a good showcase of acoustic guitar, but there is a part of me that. 
always felt like there was a little too much going on and at the same time a little meat left on the bone like there's so many like little tricks that they're using almost the the d suspended thing slash hits that classic lick right at the beginning of the song now now Like, it's a, it's a lot of, like, little almost acoustic guitar tricks all thrown into one song. Which, at the same time, I don't know if it's that way somewhat because because of this song. That they kind of brought some of these things to light. Even the solo is great, but it's not astounding. Like, it's great for this song. That's but it doesn't good, right? That's blow how me it should away. be, though. Yeah. That's how it should and, be great and, for and the song. It's, it's, it's hard to talk about because I think it is fantastic, but... There's there's part of me that would love to just hear a couple more takes and just them not kind of strung out playing this. But as it, but the solo serves as a transition. It's almost like an interlude that separates the Yeah, sure. I'm talking about the content from, of the solo though. But I feel like if it was more showy or it doesn't have to be showy. I'm not talking elaborate. I'm saying it's too showy. And not, so. there's not enough but it can't Substance. be less showy with what was going on in the first half of the song. There's so many notes being hit. It it's not about be... the number of notes. It's it's a little shot down in a blaze of glory-ish. You know, like yeah, a little... Yeah, yeah. It's a little... Fun. It, it, it is a little bit Young Guns too, Bon Jovi-ish. I give you that. That being said... A little Lou Diamond Phillips. Hey, man, I love Lou Diamond Phillips ever since Bamba. <laughs> he is Richie Valens to me. And I hear you, but when you think about what else was happening in the 80s? <laughs> I mean, like, it's yeah. like no, Bach like, or like something. I, said, you know, I think it's, it's, not it's great for this song. It's it is. I, but to your point, it's not, you know, when you compare it to like Little Martha well, and, and fucking well, you yeah. know, Doc Watson, and it's definitely. I guess my point is, is it's so melodic. It's such a beautiful song that there could be so many different things done with it other than just these classic riffs that are just thrown together. And I think one thing that, really made that stand out to me is their performance of this song at the American Music Awards. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but Slash is riding the fucking noodle train to nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, is that when Kenny Rogers introduces him? Is that that clip? Well, it's the one where Don Henley's playing drums because uh, uh, what's his favorite? Who's the, what's the Steven Adler? Yeah, Adler's in rehab. So <laughs> Don Henley's playing the drums and you can tell that, I mean, Axel's crushing it. He's fine. You could tell like Slash was hungover because he's just like, oh, just riffs, riffs. What, was he playing electric? What? Electric? Yeah, yeah. What keys this in again? <laughs> C? But like, C. C slash. But, but I did I did notice that the, that the acoustic, the, the melody is a really big and one of the better parts of the song. So like the dead does that a lot too, where like Jerry is just like, they're more melodic songs. He's just like, all right, I'm just going to straight up play the melody on these solos and just like hammer that home. Yeah, you know, he's not playing the melody or anything on the solo, but here's, I'll say this, man, and to me, this is really just kind of decides it off. It's one of the more memorable solos I've heard. It definitely sticks in my head. Like, if you ask me the, to hum the whole, the solo for Patience, I mean, I can hum the whole solo. Well, even yeah. that, that, that's the that thing. That almost reminded me of Wish You Were Here a little bit. That same sure. kind of like sliding up and down. Yeah. 
and that's what I was talking about with the bag of tricks. It felt it like it's like yeah, acoustic guitar. It's, it's not what innovative. What has ever been done? Okay, Pink Floyd, fucking this and that. How many other acoustic songs do they have? Yeah, well, they were like, this is our chance. This is it. It's like, Guns N' Roses doing a ballad, guys. How many acoustic riffs you got? Let's throw them all in. It's funny, like, I listened to this album today, and I mean, I guess we can move into the production a little bit. It was produced by Mike Klink. And it sounds like a Guns N' Roses song. I mean, it sounds like their take on a, on a thing. I mean, I guess I don't know what the production added to it or not. Yeah, well, Guns N' Roses was not, was not the kind of band to go into a studio and have the producer tell them what to do. Like, even on even on Welcome to the Jungle, not Welcome to the Jungle, but um, Appetite for Destruction, the, the producer is credited as Tom Zutant. That was their manager. Like, because they were like, we're going to go in here and play this like we play it. Like, there was no arrangement. So yeah, but this is definitely this definitely had some like probably not work. And, like no probably that was this pro- needed some work. It was probably all them. Was a lot of different. That was parts. probably all them. I, I guarantee think, you. Mike Clink was just an engineer. I'm I think it sure. probably took a lot to get the three acoustics to like mesh well into such because you really it just it's so cohesive even though it's like three guys just noodling around. But I guarantee you that wasn't a third. That wasn't an outside party doing that. I guarantee you that was them arranging that. Part of the production, I think one of the genius parts was leaving in the one, two, one, two, three, four at the beginning because it, it gives oh, yeah. it such a, um, a casual vibe to it. It, it. You know, they almost want you to think that it was just first take live, like, let's do this, fellas. So check this out. Let's think about the Guns N' Roses songs that have different outros compared to the intro, the, the beginnings. We've got Sweet Child of Mine does it. Paradise City does it. Rocket Queen does it. It's a thing they do. Where the end, they they have a different outro. Yeah. It's just like what they do. It's one of their things. Yeah, it was part of their genius, of just the way they wrote songs, their formula. I point this out in many pods that a lot of songs, I just, I'm out. At, once it gets to the outro, it's just like they couldn't figure it out. Like this song, the outro is the best fucking part of the song. I, that's super impressive. Like they, they basically were like, we're going to do some good shit in the beginning, and then we're going to really fucking kill it at the end. Well, I've always said... Which you don't hear a lot of songs like that. I've always said the the, the great bands... They start good, then they get real good, and then they do something you would have never thought of. Yes, that's the formula for being mm-hmm. great. Yeah, start good and I mean, and get better. Let, and let's then. just let's just dive into that outro a little bit before we move on to our um, well, under let, the well. Let's just section. go with our favorite part of the song because that's yeah. my favorite part. It's the outro. It has to be and right. I must say, my favorite part of my favorite part. <laughs> is that anytime you're at a bar or a party or anything that they, they the breakdown comes in there's gonna be at least one person who comes in way too early because they just can't wait for I've been walking the streets you know like oh. <laughs> because the anticipation of that like even when you're listening to it you want it to come so much faster you're like ah, I've been walking <laughs> just like you can't wait for it I've been walking the streets <laughs> but someone always comes in early So, that's so true. It, that, it, it is one of those songs where that happens, and, and you're just like, nope, not yet. <laughs> Hold! <laughs> Hold! Action! <laughs> I don't know, man. Honestly, I think my favorite part, I mean, maybe I'm just trying to find another part, but honestly, the whole pre chorus, the. Oh my god. The Sam Woman <laughs> take it so. That's, I don't know, man. 
structurally here okay okay no. so let's talk about this let's it's talk, fine uh, but it's no, not like here's the next thing. i think level. you're simply getting off on his vocal range because there's nothing exceptional about that melody or those lyrics if you sing it lower it's like i've been walking the streets tonight just trying what's to it, get i think you're just getting off on the performance but, no no what's except what's exceptional about it is how the emotion that it conveys like you're going from i've been walking on the streets and just trying to get it right and he just kind of keep it's like i'm walking down the street you already have kind of like the the mindset like the beginning kind of builds a mindset that he's in and then it just explodes it's like this emotional fucking like boiling point and he his vocal his vocal register yeah it just it, yeah well it does it look, so well it's it, a, it's it a, so well it's it's a subjective question i mean our favorite part is the outro his favorite part is the pre-chorus but i do want to point out check the tape every single song jonathan's favorite part is the pre-chorus like right when he asked you i was like if he fucking says pre-chorus like I swear okay. to God, every song your favorite part is the pre-chorus like to me though it's just kind of obvious to say that part if you look at structurally, what's the most interesting it's music? Obviously the best well, no, but it's because it's obviously the loudest, <laughs> highest shit no one else can do, right? No, it's, like, it's got the no, most emotion. No, but it's, like, dunking, it's, it's like dunking from the free throw line. It's the thing that makes him the thing. It's pretty fucking. No. No, it's pretty obvious. But the part, the, the part, no other band would do that could do is is the pre-chorus because mm. at first it's all straight ahead. That pre-chorus and the way it goes into the the chorus is well, is it, that's also the best part of the solo too. Obviously, every other band can do it because you point out the pre-chorus in every other podcast. No, that's like um, saying no. That's not no. That's not. I don't think it's good. Think no, so, no. So but I, no. What you're saying is yes. That's building towards the chorus. But what we're saying is what this whole journey has built to, and it's just packed with so much emotion. Um, and yes, it is the easiest thing to say because it's the best part of the song that everyone can't wait. They can't even hold it, themselves it, it, back to start singing it. It's not a premature ejaculation. It is a mature ejaculation. It's like at the perfect time. It's like right no, when it's just you like want, everyone, right everyone when you want her to come. Then. That's why she like comes. It. In terms of musical sophistication, it. that change going into the in the pre-chorus is the thing that makes like that's the most uniquely musically brilliant part of the song. Now you can I'm not even going to disagree with you. You might like the end the best. That's fine. But there's nothing brilliant about it except his range. But no, in the, the context the, of the song, that's fine. It, the structure of it, the structure but, but of it. But outside yeah. of the context of this song, sure, it's the highest part of the fucking roller coaster. But I, I, I still don't really agree with you that. Even, I mean, the melody in the pre-chorus is fine, but it's not like oh my it's god, it's the way it changes. Because up until that point, it is totally run-of-the-mill cheese dick. And it's fine. It's not. You're right. It it's not transcend this. anything for me. Well, but in terms of the most interesting the musical part of the song, does do that for no, me. Though. I mean, like, they, I'm, I'm, they they go to an E minor. That's the most brilliant part of that part. That's a chord. I'm talking about the melody. Yeah, yeah. The me- yeah, think about, it's good. Think about, it's good. Think the about, whole song's good, but the, it's not as good as the end. Let's think about the end outside of his amazing range. All it is is. You can't take his vocal. That's out what I'm of saying. You're end. getting off on the performance. The melody isn't as sophisticated. That's right. But that's all the I'm build up. What, how they built to that and the strumming beforehand and the anticipation that is created in that space where you're like, when is he going to do it? I definitely agree when with you. When is he going to do it? I'll, 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 maybe when is argue. he walking the streets? <laughs> but also, <laughs> but also maybe we're arguing creates, different points. It creates. Start I will get, agree with you. It, I will agree with you. It's the emotional peak of the song. Yes. I don't know if it's the yes, most interesting yes. part of the song or not. But it, here's, here's why it's so interesting because he goes, Mm, it's like this like wave of like 
little patience. Da, 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 da. And then the wave just starts getting a little choppy. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's... Da, 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 my thing is this: I feel like you guys like the best part is when they hit, hit the home run. Am I like my best? The best part is when they hit the fucking double. Oh, yeah. They put two oh, guys you, on base. You like the walk. Billy the Bean over here likes to walk. No, I'm just saying that so you're getting into analytics. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. I think that's what it is. Okay, okay. So, do, do you guys have a least favorite part of the song? Of course, the whisper and the end, the sigh at the end. It's, that's where the production and and the, the bag of tricks. I don't. Way I don't mind far. the sigh. I don't mind the, the sigh. The sigh is better than patience. Uh, I don't mean when he says it in the in the wind. Yeah, in the middle, he says he whispers patience in the middle. No, I I'll, I'll go with you. It's I'll more pronounced the... in the video because you can see his face. I mean, if you're listening, maybe you don't hear it as much. But in the middle, he's just like patience. <laughs> Right, you know, by here with you, the sigh at the end is definitely the 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 worst part. It's no, yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> My least favorite part is just that the, the lyric. There's nothing the special about the lyric. <laughs> the um, but there's nothing just, special just about that. Bob Dylan's guitar playing either. Like, so fucking what? Like, you can't. It's like whatever. Like, it's there, nothing has everything. I think part of the brilliance is just taking the word patience and making it almost part. Like, you can almost not. It's hard to use that word without even thinking of the song. It's such yeah. a unique word to make such a beautiful ballad out of. I just think you you have to include like that's the chorus and just the the namesake of the song is such a huge sure. Part. And I think that'll lead us right into our under the covers section of the podcast, where you know when I was looking for covers of the song. There's so many songs called Patience that I just never heard. I mean, Tame Impala has one that I kind of knew, but it's as far as this song, I mean, this is this is Patience, right? Oh yeah. You know, and I mean, Chris Cornell had a cover that came out posthumously. Yeah, not, I I really liked it. I I mean, fine. I brought it up to you guys a couple weeks ago, and you guys clowned it. I think it I think it was a cool um, rendition of it because he did kind of change around the the tone of the song. I just thought I thought it was nice. I mean, I, excuse me. It's nice, but it, everything we've been talking about it takes out like the best parts of the song for me because it it's but just one kind of. At least line he did his song. own. He did his. He had his own take on it, and it did but, go to number one. It was his only number one hit, <laughs> posthumously. Patience. <laughs> There's also a, a version by uh, Shovels and Rope with uh, the Milk Carton Kids. That's actually pretty good. Together, I, I like it better than the. Uh, yeah, huh. I like it better than the Chris Cornell version. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. So, in terms of under the influence, what do you guys think influenced the song or that it influenced moving forward? I would say it came from a tune like You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Stones, and it led to something like Creep by Radiohead. Hmm. It's very good. It's nice. It's very thoughtful. That's uh, very insightful. No, I didn't have much here. I mean, I think it's I think it's influenced a lot henceforth, just with acoustic guitars, acoustic ballads, just rock bands not being afraid to show their softer side, flex those muscles a little bit. And then I just had like basically this song is everything that every rose had its thorn wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a response to that, being like, fuck you, we got we got you here. This definitely 
reminds me of some of the Smashing Pumpkins ballads, probably influenced. Mm-hmm. Like today? And, huh? Today, or, or like, or the straight up yeah. ones? And I would also say, recently we talked about a Kings of Leon song, and I, I never really put this together, but like vocally, I feel like he might have taken some stuff from from. Were Axel. they allowed to listen to Guns N' Roses? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were. <laughs> And that leads us to, obviously, Jonathan, the shoe fits. Like a snakeskin boot. <laughs> Neil? Yeah, it fits up like a, a beat-up pair of high tops, white with a big old tongue. Like a <laughs> 80s hair metal guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go a different direction. This is like a, like a fancy black dress shoe that you I buy. Guess. And then it and then it gets a little uncomfortable when you wear it too you long. You sure it's not a thin flip flop? That's an awful that's, that's an awfully old shoe for such a guy young guy who's like four years younger than us. It's like a dress shoe when I hear it at a wedding. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, we are going to play you a version of Guns N' Roses nineteen eighty nine release, Patience. Cause I'm missing you I'm still alright to smile Girl, I think about you Every day now There was a time when I wasn't sure But you set my mind at ease There is no doubt you're in my heart now Slow, things will be just fine. All we need is just a little patience. I said, Sugar, make it slow, we'll come together fine. All we need is just a Because I'd rather be alone If I can't have you right now I'll wait for you Sometimes I get so tense But I can't speed up the time You know, love, there's one more thing to consider 
The cover you just heard was performed by Jonathan Horton. Thanks for listening to Pi Gay Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Rock. Next week is Neil's week, and Neil chose Sample in a Jar by Fish. Can't wait! <laughs>